Evernote changed their icon and plunged me into two weeks of dissatisfactorily rearranging my home screen icons. They went from green and white to white and green, right? They like inverted it or something? Yeah. They went for this popular aesthetic that I think is garbage. Okay. Which is the white icon with the, and color. the color thing in the center. I think that looks terrible. But that's what they went for. Thanks, Evernote. Let me ask you a question, right? Because I, I, I had this in my notes for a different reason, actually. Okay. Do you know that they changed the icon? The actual icon is different? What do you mean? The elephant is different? The elephant is new, apparently. Is it? Yeah. I didn't I didn't notice. It's a new elephant. It is ever so slightly more rounded. There was this big article in Fast Company um, about Evernote's new branding. Okay. And it kind of it brought to me two two things that frustrates me about large Silicon Valley companies. Um, <laughs> point number one is uh, why why do they think that anybody cares about their branding? Like Evernote had an app update, right? In which the the notes were saying like, "Oh, have you noticed anything different?" Like their whole release notes for their app update was focused around the fact that they have a new icon and some new coloring inside of the application. Like, I don't think there was any new specific features that came along with this rebranding, which is meant to, like, have changed their focus. Like, they want to reflect on their past and go forward focusing on the fact of remembering everything, and they change their icon, right? So that's... Great. And what I want is markdown support and notes. Right? So this is it, right? Like, any big company (laughs) that is really proud of their new app icon... Can't talk about it if they're like gonna upset their customers because they don't have the features that they want, right? Like these things, mm. you do them because you're proud of it, right? I understand that, but you need to be aware of the fact that you're just going to annoy everyone. <laughs> Everyone's just going to be really annoyed at you. But the second thing, the thing that annoys me most, I want you to open this article and you scroll down to about halfway through the page, okay? And you see this picture as a photo of a lot of pieces of paper stuck to a wall. Okay. And it's showing all of the different design routes that this company called Design Studio went through when tasked with recreating... Jesus, this is a long article. Where the hell is this? Oh, okay, man. There you go. It's very long. It's Yeah, it's very long. Who wants 10,000 words on Evernote's branding? Yeah. Jesus. So... If you look at this picture, you'll see, like, this company went through a lot, a lot of revisions, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, nothing really changed. They got a new typeface, a slightly different serif typeface, right, the word mark. Mm-hmm. And the logo is the same elephant, just slightly rounded. But if you take a look at the wall, you can see they they tried a lot of different things, right? Yeah. And this reminds me of Google. Remember when Google redesigned their logo? And, like, Google's looks more mm-hmm. different. But I remember there were these big articles and these big like photos showing like the design agency that they employed to look at it had a bunch of like really drastic changes Mm -hmm. but the company ends up just going with something relatively simple and it's like i just wonder how much money was spent on this i mean all all i could think is this is literally a joke in the silicon valley show about they yeah. spend all of this money to go through all of these different designs and they end up with just a logo that's a lowercase p like every yeah. like every other company <laughs> because like if you look at this picture there are some yeah. interesting roots here yeah. that you can see like there's like right at the very top there's a green just line drawing of the logo yeah it's, that it's, I, I like really that. like mm-hmm. and i just find this stuff so funny it's like 
So you're really proud of your minuscule change to your branding. Then have a fast company come in and write this huge piece about it. It's just like, I don't know who this is in service of. And I just find it really strange. It, it is really strange. Uh, this is extra funny for me because had I known that Fast Company would give this kind of promotion for <laughs> subtly changing your logo, I would have gotten in touch when I changed my logo earlier this year. Yeah, yeah. That I remember the, the real harsh change that you made. <laughs> you made an Evernote-esque change to the CGP Grey logo. Oh, it's, it was 100% an Evernote-esque change. And I published it nowhere. I commented on it nowhere because my feeling was nobody is going to care mm -hmm. except for me mm -hmm. and the few other people that were bothered by some very minor design problems in the first logo. Because here's the thing. I assume all of our listeners are saying now, wait. What logo change? <laughs> exactly. Right. Because you would never know. In the same way that had Evernote not changed the colors and had just changed the picture of the elephant, I don't think I would have ever noticed. Or if they never change. would have had this article go out, everybody would yeah. have just thought that their new branding was they inverted the colors. You'd never yeah. know that there was a new logo on Wordmark. Yeah. Where's my article, Fast Company? Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's so... You know, I, I agree with you completely. Like, It would never have occurred to me... like. I feel like I would have looked, sounded like some kind of huge asshole mm -hmm. if I wrote a big article on my blog about how I'm changing my well, logo. What you do is you, <laughs> you just soften stuff up a little bit and change some ways that it's represented. It's still the little like beaker and the and the gear, right? Like nothing yeah. really changed, but it got refined. There were some very very slight asymmetries in the original logo that if you blew it up to a thousand percent its size would become obvious. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's basically what it was like, okay, let's get, let's get these things changed and, and smoothed up. That's all it was. Uh, I mean, it looks very different to me, but when I showed my wife, the new logo next to the old one, her first response was, what's the difference? Yeah, like, what it's are like you showing Evernote, me? Right. Like it's the same. <laughs> I, you showed it to me. And at first I was like, Mm. <laughs> it's exactly the same <laughs> this is the thing right like in my company we really care about these things like we really care about visual design and like trying to make things look really nice i don't have a problem with that i think what i have a problem with is like these really really large companies thinking that people are going to care in a positive way like, mm. I, I, I think people care but they care negatively like i don't mm. think people get a good feeling from this because you see this thing that you probably have some problems with because it's been around for so long now that evernote's users i reckon they have a large percentage of their user base <laughs> are in mode with the product like you right yeah and then you see like is this what they're spending their time and money on yeah even if this is just a skunk's works project, right? That that involved essentially 0.001% of the company's time. Uh, it's not 0.01% of the article. Like the article is the whole the whole thing. And I, I was aware of the their description in the, the release notes for when the new app came out. Notice like, anything different about us? We've updated yeah. our look to reflect our renewed purpose, helping you focus on what, what matters most. But they didn't have any features that went along with this. Yeah. And again, like as someone who, uh, as I'm sure we all remember, uses Evernote so intensely that he ran up against the fundamental engineering limits of the app. is like, I opened it up like, this is, this is no different. Yeah. Oh, there's a, there's a bit more white space. Well, 
Thanks. They changed the colours, and with that, the original version, they introduced a feature that collected the notes that people share with you, but that's not really got anything to do with their new overarching vision. Yeah. It just seems so strange to me. Like, I would totally understand making a big song and dance out of this if they'd also made some huge changes to the service, mm-hmm. but they haven't. This is a company disease. It's like the time Dropbox changed their logo recently and they wanted to write a whole big article yes. about, about the Dropbox logo change, which read like a crazy person had mm-hmm. written it. Like, it was so bizarre. I, like, but, I have no problem with people taking pride in their branding and like spending time and money on, on making it better, but... Don't assume anybody else cares. Yeah, and especially for relatively minor changes. Like even the the new Dropbox logo is basically the same thing. The Evernote one is comically the same thing. I will give one more example, which to me is the worst way to do this. So if you are the CEO of a Silicon Valley company, listen close. Listen close to the tale of caution that was Yahoo's design rollout. I don't know if you remember this, Mike, but perhaps this is before your time on the internet. When Yahoo decided to change their logo away from the, oh boy, it wasn't the 90s internet super embarrassing to a modern logo, they did what I thought was the dumbest thing in the world, which is they talked about this big logo competition. And then for a week, they kept showing on the on the yes. Yahoo homepage, yeah. the logos they weren't going to use yeah. until the grand unveiling on the final day of the week of the real new logo. So over the course of a week, everyone got to pick their new favorite logo, and it yeah. was none of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's also like, hey, you're just opening yourself up to what exactly happened. Every like, what are the chances? that everyone's going to agree the one on Friday is better than all the ones they've seen before. Like, like I've never <laughs> seen a more guaranteed to set yourself up for failure move from a company. And it's like, oh, I really like the Tuesday logo. Well, now the Friday logo has to be better than that. And it can't possibly be because, oh, I've gotten used to the Tuesday logo all day. And then they change to the Wednesday logo. And they go, oh, I don't like this at all. And and then by the time Friday rolls around, I've already idealized in my head how great that Tuesday logo was. Like it was, I don't know who was in charge of that campaign. That is maybe one of just the most boneheaded marketing decisions I've ever seen. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was terrible. <laughs> yeah, so what we're trying to say is we're pleased to announce the Cortex logo redesign contest. Uh, this is what we've been building to this entire <laughs> yeah. time. So yeah, we're really excited to see what people put in the Reddit. You know, for their yeah. reimagining of the Cortex logo. Yeah, we're going to pick a winner mm-hmm. at the end of the year, but yep. every episode between now and then is going to have some other logo on it, right? <laughs> <laughs> How could this go wrong? It sounds like a, only a winning idea, <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace because they will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project or event or just about anything else you want to make a website for. Squarespace have every single tool that you're going to need. You're going to want to get yourself a unique domain name, award-winning templates, and so much more, and that is why you need Squarespace. Whether you want to create an online store or a portfolio or a blog, maybe even a site for an upcoming event, we created our wedding website on Squarespace. It was super easy to do. They had wonderful templates, which looked great, but also had a bunch of information in that we needed, as well as all of the wonderful functionality 
to allow us to craft something that was perfect for our use. We had the ability for people to submit their menu choices, for example, and it all went into a Google Sheet. Super, super wonderful functionality all built into Squarespace to be the all-in-one platform that you need. There is nothing to install or patch or upgrade. You don't have to worry about anything because Squarespace have got you covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support in case you need any help. Squarespace are awesome. Trust me, if you have any need for a web website now or in the future go and check them out squarespace.com slash cortex when you go there you can sign up for a trial with no credit card required their plans start at just $12 a month but you can get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain by using the offer code cortex and you'll also be showing your support for this show once again that is squarespace.com slash cortex and the code cortex to get 10% off your first purchase our thanks to squarespace for the continued support of this show and Relay FM, Squarespace. Make your next move, make your next website. I would like you to sum up the USB C feedback oh, that we've been receiving. No, no. My favorite was the amount of times we kept getting told about the fact that USB C and Thunderbolt 3 were different, even though we 100% addressed that on the show. But only is a symptom of the fact of how confusing it is that even though we spoke about it, <laughs> People still thought that we didn't speak about it because it is a minefield. Yeah, I just Mike is looking at some notes that past Gray wrote in the show notes. Mm-hmm. A Gray of two weeks ago that I don't even want to think about <laughs> because <sighs> I don't want to get into this minefield. Mm-hmm. But let me let me just try to summarize. Yeah, and say that very helpful listeners in in the comments brought to my attention what turned out to be one of the fundamental problems with my setup. And it is that the Blackmagic eGPU did not come with a 0.5 meter USB-C slash Thunderbolt 3 fully powered cable. To screw you. Right, to screw me <laughs> out, of, out of spite or, yep. as could be understood, mere cheapness Mm -hmm. we could put in a one meter one but instead we're going to put in a half meter one no the reason they did it is because to get the speeds required to use something like an eGPU and an external monitor also plugged into that eGPU uh the thunderbolt 3 spec only supports full speed at half meter or less long cables yep is it am i right in thinking that it's that or you have to buy an ex- incredibly expensive cable. Is that right? Here's the thing. If if you are Pixar Studios or someone else like that, you can get these crazy optical Thunderbolt cables. Okay. Why can't you get them? They are not priced in the realm of mortals. Oh. When you find a website that does not list the price of the thing that you would like to purchase, mm. spoiler alert, it's going to be a pain in the ass and it's going to be expensive to get. Wow! Wow! <laughs> 10 meter Corning okay. optical Thunderbolt cable on Amazon. 307 pounds for a 10 meter cable? <gasps> My word! Yeah. It's oh. madness. Oh, they're very expensive. <laughs> Yes, they are very expensive. So my eGPU is now sitting on the desk. <laughs> the thing that I found out is the original setup that I was using had 
a one meter cable going from my laptop down to the eGPU. And then the thing that was really killing me, another one meter cable back from the eGPU to the monitor. So this 5K display was trying to push all the pixels back and forth across two meters, right? Four times the acceptable length for the necessary data transfer. Uh, and it was like, I wasn't crazy. Like I couldn't, I wasn't able to get all the pixels I thought I was supposed to get on the monitor. And it turns out like, yes, if I use two half meter cables, then I can get the full resolution. Otherwise, I was not getting the full resolution on that screen. It was maddening. You can use, you can daisy chain two half meter cables? Yeah, that seemed to be able to be under whatever the limit was. But having two one meter cables, obviously there must have been enough degradation in the data that it wasn't working. I did just find out that you can buy these cables on Apple's Hong Kong website. (laughs) What, the optical cables? The Corning one. But you can't Uh buy them on the UK site. Hmm. And that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Too fast for the UK. I, I guess. It's very strange. Yeah. As a, as a final thing, I got a ton of feedback from people who were pointing out as well the thing that I wish I had said it in the show, uh, you know, but you never cover everything that you want mm-hmm. to. They go, hey, don't you know that there's a little lightning bolt on the cable that has Thunderbolt support? Aren't you aware of this? The answer is yes. Well, this is what I was, I was saying, right? This. <laughs> I, so this is the thing. I just said this, and you've just said this is how confusing it is, right? Yeah. I just said it's that. Like, <laughs> I, I'm trying to make it as clear as possible to the listeners who sent me all this feedback, like, mm-hmm. look for it. And what I want to say is, the cable. The problem with the cables, it's not just all the specs, it's the flakiness. Yeah. So I found out after that show that by like, again, doing this, this ridiculous A-B testing of hardware that I have a bunch of USB 3 lightning cables that just don't work, right? That like, they're not transferring the data at the rate that they're supposed to. And because this, this is the problem. A cable that is broken isn't completely broken. That's exactly it. All of them still support the power, but I had USB-C Thunderbolt cables that were clearly not actually able to communicate with peripherals Ugh. with Thunderbolt speeds. So I was like, great. It's great. Whatever you guys are like, I don't even know where these cables like I'm not, you know, I'm not pointing fingers at any manufacturers. All I know is like I got this bucket of expensive cables and some portion of them don't even work as advertised by the little lightning bolt on them. So, again, uh, TLDR USB-C is garbage Mm -hmm. and I hate it. So, Gray, I thought to myself that it would be fun to do some Ask Cortex today because we haven't done it in a while. So. Well, and I was preparing for the episode, I thought I would tweet from the at Cortex podcast Twitter account. Hey, why don't we get some hashtag Ask Cortex questions? Oh, we got a lot. I think people have been waiting for this segment to come back. Uh, we got lots and lots of questions. It did seem like there had been a bit of a buildup. Yes, I want to just chip away at some of those by basically devoting the rest of this entire episode to hashtag Ask Cortex. We got to clear the Cortex decks. We're not going to clear it. I can tell you that. No, we, no, we can clear it. We can clear it, Mike. <laughs> All right. So buckle up for six hours. At least an hour before I really need to go. So I'm sure we can we can get all this out. Okay. We may get through 2% of the questions that I have. <laughs> all right. Then let's kick off hashtag Ask Cortex. So this question from John, which is one that I've actually seen a bunch of times. So I think it might be a good one to, to start with. 
What, if any, personal budgeting software or tracking do you use? Oh, for, for personal stuff? Yeah. My wife and I have a, a system that just uses a spreadsheet. And it's, you know, it's something that we have done as long as, as we've been married. <laughs> Actually, I guess before we were even married uh, to split up bills. But we, you know, we just have it like it's, it's not really complicated, but it's just a basic spreadsheet that tracks like what are all the shared expenses and tallies them up. The, the only, I don't know, I guess for listeners, the only thing about it that's interesting that I, that I uh, would recommend to couples to do is that the, the spreadsheet does a little calculation about what share of the bills we need to put into the common pot based on what our incomes are. So as we have spent a long time together, like our incomes have varied, like sometimes she earns more than me and sometimes I've earned more than her. And currently the situation where my income is quite variable we just have this little spreadsheet always do the thing where it's like oh well if if she's earned 60 percent of the income then she pays 60 percent of the shared bills and if i'm earning 60 percent of the income this month and i pay 60 percent of the shared bills it's just i think it's a way that it just feels like a nice fair way to do it and it feels like we're both contributing and it just it's worked really well for us over the the whole course of our marriage so that's it's pretty simple but that's just what we do what do you guys have we have the exact same thing we have a spreadsheet that adina mostly manages because she's very good at putting together spreadsheets which has all of our bills and then mm-hmm. we don't we act we break it up slightly differently we just have a fixed percentage like i pay a percentage and she pays a percentage and it's just the same mm-hmm. right but again, it's like it's based on our income, but it doesn't fluctuate so differently. And that's kind of how we manage all of our shared expenses. It's just through mm-hmm. this sheet. So every month I take a look at the sheet, I see what my total is, and I transfer that to our joint account. And that's where all our bills come out of. And that's you know, that's just kind of how that works. For myself, I don't have any budgeting for my own personal money. Um I wasn't very good with money when I was younger. Mm-hmm. and got myself into some sticky situations as a younger man. <laughs> so I have gotten a lot better at just frequently checking my bank accounts mm-hmm. and just understanding what I've got and spending responsibly. There are, there, I know that there are a lot of tools that exist, and especially now there are more and more of them because of some changes to the way that banking information is shared, like legally, in the, at least in the UK. Um that you may have noticed recently there are a lot more services that exist where you can sign in with your internet banking information for your bank and it can hmm. track your accounts. This is because there were some legislation changes. Uh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, because for years you could never get anything like that in the UK. These things do exist and they can be good. I don't have any that I can personally recommend because I just I don't use them. I do think that it is important for people to have some kind of budget and practice in mind. It can just be as simple as just writing what you have and what you're spending. Like if, you know, it can be a very simple or you can have an app or you can do what I do. It's just like look at my bank balances. That's really interesting to hear about that as with the change in the banking laws. I think uh, I'll be curious to look into that because, uh, you know, I've I've tried on occasion to use a more formal system. Uh, from my wife and I and from my own expenses and you know, for her expenses. But it's always just been too heavyweight. Uh, it's like, oh, this is too much solution. 
uh, where it's just like a basic spreadsheet covers 95% of the of the things that you care about and, and expenses. So, uh, but yeah, if, the, if there's more automated solutions available, I'll be, I'll be curious to look into that. Oh, that stuff's going to get, it's getting severely productized right now. Like there's going to be more <laughs> and more of these things. It's from banks and from startups. Great. There is like a whole industry that's been created around this stuff now. So you're going to get used to seeing these things a lot. Marut wants to know, how did you both decide which business ideas to pursue? Did you love the type of work that you're doing now beforehand, or did you just find out that you were good at it? Funnily enough, Marut's second part of his question, I think, sum up both of our approaches for our current businesses, right? I found something I loved. You found something you were good at. Yeah. This question makes me feel like a monster because... (laughs) I hate what I do and I'm not good at it. (laughs) But I'm successful and that's it. (laughs) Just follow my lead. (laughs) When this comes up, this is where you get to be the person that people want to be. right? You, You have the clearly winning story right because you had a thing that you loved and you pursued success in that field and you achieved success in that field right and that's what that's what people want okay but now i'm going to argue on your side i think that your path is the path that people should actually aim to achieve oh no i agree with you there people should be more like me yeah i think the world is filled with fools like you yes 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 (laughs) i believe that people can achieve what they want to achieve the problem is a lot of people understandably don't want to do what i did which was Mm -hmm. ruin my life for five years right until i got to where i am because Mm. i hated everything about my job because i just had a job that i hated and didn't bother to move because all i cared about was just trying to do what i wanted to do as opposed to actually maybe trying to find something that was a little bit more comfortable for the work that i had to do to earn money and then just ruined all of my personal relationships because I never had any free time, right? Like this is stuff that people by and large shouldn't do. But for a lot of people, unfortunately, is the way that you get to doing the thing you want to do. Yeah, No, 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 Mike, you don't understand because most people would have found you when you were already successful, like the anthropic principle, right? Like they found you when you were successful because that's when they would find you. Yeah. And so that is that is the moment upon which you were just birthed into the universe in, in the successful hole that you are. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's how that that's works. How that works. <laughs> but anyway, to get back on track, I think that it is better for people to, and people will, I think, overall be happier in their lives if they follow the CGP Grey method of finding a thing that you're good at and then doing it. There's, there's also an additional problem here, which is, you know, you as, as a, a successful podcaster... You're at the example of a thing that I just, I think people don't think about very clearly, which is the odds of success in fields where everybody wants to go. And so, especially with, it's like podcasts are booming now. Yeah, 10 years ago or eight years ago, they weren't as popular as they are now. Yeah. Right, so it was easier for me to get started. Yeah, and it's and it's also a thing that, Again, almost definitionally, I'm less convinced about like the the easy to get started argument. I, I tend to think it it's actually gets easier to get started over time. But what doesn't 
get easier is the probability of success compared to everyone else entering the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, you get more and more people entering this field and you will have proportionally fewer and fewer successes. I worry when people get advice to like, just keep trying hard in a field that has that kind of shape to it that like everybody wants to do this thing i think it's fine to like and i I can clarify my feeling on this a little bit more if you love doing a thing like do it but don't necessarily try really hard to make it your job Mm. if you want to have a podcast because you like a thing and you want to talk about a thing like by all means like do that thing if it's what you love Mm -hmm. But it can be really hard to then be like, I love this. This needs to be my job. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's the transition. Because that wasn't how I started either, right? Like I started and for many years just did it because I really loved it. It seemed like a really fun thing to do. And then Mm -hmm. over time became something that as I started to get like a little traction, right? Like it seemed like it was something that could maybe build. Then I was like, oh, maybe imagine if, right? Mm -hmm. And then that was when it then became like a six-year journey. Obviously, I think the if you're giving advice, I think the CGP Grey path is the more universally applicable advice, Mm -hmm. which is try to scan the horizon for things that you things that you're interested in that you might want to develop or see what works. Like place a bunch of bets on the table and then double down on the bets that work. And you can build up a positive feedback loop on this this thing. And it also does have the problem of, again, the perception of the way things work versus the reality of the way things work. So like I will say, though, this isn't all I do, right? Mm. I also run a business, sell ads. That's a thing that I'm just good at. It's not necessarily my dream. Mm-hmm. I didn't dream that I would sell advertising. But I'm act- that's actually just a skill that I had, which I built up over years of working in a big company and mm-hmm. eventually transitioning into a marketing role. I learned some of the skills of how you talk to people, how you sell something, how you convince someone that this is a good bet for them, right? To take a chance on you, right? Like I learned these skills working for a big corporation in a marketing department. So then it eventually was like, oh, I shouldn't just do this. I should also do the business part of this. Right. And that was when it transitioned for me because I found something I was good at and was able to couple that with a thing that I loved. And then it progressed into something that was successful. I would not be where I am right now if I didn't do that other part of it. That's an excellent point. And in my in my own way, I can I can mirror that simply from recognizing that I had some above average ability to explain things when I was younger. Like people would make remarks like, oh, that's a really good comparison. But that that tiny little seed then grows up into, oh, when I'm older and I'm flailing around and I have no idea what to do for money and like it's like I'm gonna starve to death. Like what job am I going to do? It's like, well, teaching ticks a lot of boxes. One of those boxes is I think I'm pretty good at explaining things just naturally. 
And then like the, like the marketing thing, well, now I'm in a job where I'm doing this all day long. Like I'm spending all day long talking to people and having to explain things and getting multiple passes at trying to explain the same thing and developing a skill that started out as like, oh, maybe you were like a little better than average in the population on this. But now after several years of teaching, it's like, oh, you've developed this thing into a much better than average skill. And that that then, you know, now that you have a much better than average skill, maybe there are other ways to apply this into uh, work that is overall more well-suited to your personality than teaching is. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but you can you can take things that you just happen to have a little bit more interest or skill in and develop them over time in, into things that are beneficial to you. I just... I just want to say, say because I always worry about it, it's like you do need to have in mind very strongly the idea of, of what is useful or interesting to other people. Like, like that is really the key feature when you're trying to build something or build a career or build a company or do anything is I just very often come across people who are super interested in the thing that they're super interested in and then naturally assume that everybody else is also going to be interested in seeing them do the thing that they're working on. Mm. And you've got to have your antenna up for what is the world interested in or like, or what does the world want? Marketable skills. Yeah. The world doesn't care about you. Spoiler alert. Like the world cares about what you can do for it mm -hmm. and like that's you gotta you gotta follow that easy path like don't don't try to make the whole world care about you do something that the that the world can be interested in or that benefits it hello listeners i'm speaking to you from somewhere in the mountains it's good to go to different places experience different things get out of the regular rut of your life but there is one big disadvantage, and that's when you have to be somewhere else. You can't sleep on your mattress, your high-quality Casper mattress that helps you get a good night's sleep. I've been spending the last little while actually sleeping on an air mattress. Let me tell you, air mattresses, they may be portable, but they're not great for sleep. That's why right now, I'm searching out this flock of sheep. Hello, sheep. In order to get any kind of decent sleep out here, I think I'm going to need to count this little flock that I've come across a few times out here. You're just not going to sleep as well if you're sleeping on anything but a Casper. And that's because they're the company focused on sleep, dedicated to making every night just exceptional. You spend a third of your life sleeping. Why would you want to do it on something that's inferior? And I can speak from personal experience. I really do miss my Casper when I'm traveling. You can forget how great your Casper is until you sleep somewhere else and then realize, oh, that Casper, it was unobtrusively, perfectly lulling me to sleep. And now I've got to sleep on some hotel mattress or air mattress somewhere else. It's no good. Casper makes their mattresses so perfect by combining multiple supportive memory foam for quality mattress with just the right sink and just the right bounce. 
And because the mattress is such a personal thing, you can try it for 100 nights. They deliver it direct to your door. It unfolds itself like magic. You really need to get one. So you can get $50 off your Casper mattress by visiting casper.com slash cortex and using code cortex at checkout. That's casper.com. Whoops. Okay, the sheep are coming very close now. I've got to go. Try to get a good night's sleep. All right, let me step in here for the rambling man who's getting attacked by a flock of wild sheep. You can get $50 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash cortex and using cortex at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. That is casper.com slash cortex and offer code cortex for $50 towards select mattress purchases. We thank Casper for their support of this show and Relay FM, and I guess one day I hope we'll see Gray again. Mark wants to know, Gray... And I'm actually interested in this. Are there any updates to your Mac and iPad setup change since episode 63? And are you planning on buying any new Macs or iPads uh, this fall when hopefully some will be announced? This did actually make me think to myself when I when I saw this question. I feel like I don't know why you went back to the Mac. I feel like okay. it happened... And we kind of said it happened. <laughs> well, you were very upset at that time, Mike. I was very really upset. Yeah, I'm not upset much. anymore. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I have a secondary part of this question, which is, can you sum up oh, so a little bit questions. of why you did this and then talk about, like, if there's been any major changes and then if you're looking forward to any potential new hardware? Okay. Uh, so so many levels in this. Uh, the, the first thing is, Episode 63. I'm thinking, like, am I supposed to know what that episode was? Like, yeah, episode I, 63, didn't Flower I assume this Garden, was like... when you, you, broke the, <laughs> you broke the news to me, I think. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, trying, I'm looking in the show notes. Like, I have a diagram of my office in the show notes or something. Like, it's, oh, yeah, see, okay. Now you this was when you broke the news to me. Right. Because we right. were going through your new office setup, and I realized there was no iPad in it anymore, really. And that right. was when it all came crashing down uh, around me. Yeah. That you'd, you'd suckered me in to this multi-pad lifestyle and then just left <laughs> me in the dust. No, I didn't, I didn't sucker you in. Mm-hmm. Right? Look, mm-hmm. you make decisions at the time that are the sensible decisions. Yeah. But the world is not static. Right? Things change in the world. They sure do. And so you have to, you have to be willing to be as I am, bendable in the breeze. You, you have to, you don't want to be an oak tree. Oh, here we go. You want to be... <laughs> another, another nonsensical metaphor. <laughs> right? you, 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 want to, you want to be like the grass, you know, blowing with the wind, bending, adjusting with time, not an inflexible oak tree. Uh, not that I'm saying that that's what you are, Mike. Just yeah. slight tangent to this. There is a phenomenon where when you say something in a podcast... People expect it to be that way forever for all time. So that, that's actually who you are. Yeah, it's I'm not really pushing it back against you. I'm pushing back against this strange idea that like you, you say a thing and then people expect that to be the thing forever. And it's like episode 63 of Cortex. I don't know who that guy was or what he was talking about. I have nothing to do with him. Like I'm, I'm making decisions for me. I'm not making decisions for that guy. Um, okay, let me try to answer the layer uh, layers of your questions. Why did I, why did I leave iPad and go to Mac? Is that is that what we're asking here? 
Is that what you want to know? Yeah, I think I. I mean, I. I feel like I understand, but it still doesn't make sense to me. So I. I, I would. My, my belief is that you were unhappy with some of the ways that interaction methods changed in iOS twelve. Yes, iOS eleven. I, yeah, iOS eleven. Of course, the most brief version is there. There were two aggravating factors, and and the first was, and I always feel the need to say this really clearly. While I 100% agree with the decisions that Apple made about how to change multitasking in the iPad for the vast majority of users, I think it was a great thing for them to do and the correct decision. It just didn't work for me. And I found it extremely clunky to be moving back and forth between apps. Like that's the, that is the best word to describe it. I just found it clunky to use. But I was still sticking with it until the real stake through the heart of using iOS as the primary platform was getting my iPhone X that, by the way, I totally love and is the phone that I've been the most happy with for years from Apple. But at that time, there were just enough differences between how iOS worked on the iPad versus on the phone that... Were any of them a big deal? No, but I found myself constantly frustrated moving back and forth between the two of them about what brings up multitasking? Where is control center? Now, it seems like some of those things have, have been ironed out. They have been. Yeah, but it doesn't change that that caused me to really mm-hmm. rethink at the time, like what devices am I going to use? And it... It also happened to coincide with me really doing a separate big rethink about what do I want my physical spaces to be and realizing that one way that I could improve a bunch of workspaces is by having larger screens to work on in more dedicated, less mobile spaces. And so it was like it was a it was a combination of all of these factors coming together. And I do have to say that I feel very comfortable in my decision because you know it's been a long time now and apple still has not changed the the basic multitasking features on the ipad in in ios 12 so again it's that situation of if you don't like a thing you might have to live with it for two years and there's been a couple of of changes with the way the pencil works in iwork apps on the ipad which drives me crazy they changed that back oh did they change it back okay yeah there's now a setting thank god because yeah i I couldn't deal with numbers on the ipad that way and it felt like oh they're they're trying to do this thing again that i hate i think it's right that they have the method that they have like being able to draw whenever you want but they have also added in a setting for you to be able to change it back again great which is great i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna change that on, on my devices but yeah yeah. So anyway, that's that's what it is. But the okay. the big the big prime killer is is the way multitasking work just just didn't work for me, and I found like it was getting in my way, and I was doing too much work with the system as instead of like on the thing that I wanted to do. Yeah, I should also say I have grown over time too, uh, in that now I am happy to accept this as part of my personality as opposed to a shared personality that we need to have. So. <laughs> I am now fine with the fact that you moved away from uh, the iPad to the Mac because it's okay for me to stay where I am. Now you can own the the multi-iPad lifestyle wholly and completely. Yeah, the the multi-iPad lifestyle is mine now because you don't do it anymore, I don't think. Or at least 
not in the way in which it was created, right? Which was the idea of it's not just you have them, you have them and you use them and you use them all the time. Yeah, so. no. My, yeah, my iPad use has, has dramatically shrunk to just a, a couple of particular mm-hmm. things. Like it used to be, really, I think, when yeah. we started. Right? I think you are now kind of have come full circle, really, in, in that you have iPads and you use them, but for specific purposes. And then yeah. we both shifted to we use them for all the time, everything. Right. And then you have kind of gone back again. Yep. So... Do you plan to buy new products this year? Do you think that, well, one, do you want any new Macs? Like, or the idea of any new Macs excite you? And or these new potential iPads with Face ID and they're going to have bigger screens or smaller physical bodies and incredible new technology. Do either of these product areas excite you? No, I think I'm going to be passing on new iPads for the first time in a long time. Uh, just be just because my use is so so relatively limited. Interesting. Uh, I don't I don't feel that this is a purchase that makes sense right now. Uh, so I, th- I think I, I think I'm going to be passing on it, which is which is a shock. Like it's the first time in a while. <laughs> I was I was really hoping out for what I think of as iPad Micro, which would have been the big phone with the Apple Pencil support, but that has been sadly sadly pretty much confirmed is not going to happen i would have loved that uh and i would have used that as like a little ipad micro but uh no as as far as big ipads go i don't think i'm gonna i don't think i'm gonna be doing that we'll see yeah i I like i never make promises for my future self but when i think of purchases it's not it's not like the phone which is a guaranteed like when the new phone comes out for sure that's that's what i'll be getting so Shivam wants to know, what is one piece of technology that you've acquired in 2018 that has made your life easier? So for me, I've been trying to improve my working posture in different ways hmm. because I feel like I'm getting some ergonomic impact from right. the way that I've been using my devices, especially my iOS devices, both my iPhone and my iPad. I think I'm spending far too much time with my head looking down and I've been trying yeah. to find some ways to combat that. And two products have entered my life recently, which have been helpful, I think. One is an iPad stand called the Tabitha stand, um, which is a stand from this company, I think they're called Colebrook Boston Saunders. They're very much a, we will supply your new office with a bunch of equipment company, right? Right. But they do sell some products individually to consumers. And this stand is really nice. It's adjustable to all different types of tablet size. It's got a good weighted base, and I can bring my iPad up to a pretty high height, to kind of like the eye-level height that I would want. Um, So I've been really happy with this. Yeah, and I use it with a Magic Keyboard and my Apple Pencil. So if I'm at any desk with my iPad, I can use it, and it's really great, and I've been really happy with it. Um, I, I, it makes me feel comfortable to use the, the device, so I've been happy with that. And a company called Bridge, um, they make a keyboard product for the iPad Pro to turn it into kind of like a laptop, and they just had a new version came out, and they sent me they sent me it because I'd had some problems with their first version. Basically, I couldn't get one to reliably work. And they said they fixed this, and they sent me one. And 
I absolutely love it. So if I don't have my iPad in the Tabitha stand, like if I want to work on the couch, I now have a keyboard that basically turns my iPad Pro into a laptop because it has an adjustable hinge. Man, that is very cool looking. It is really, really good. Especially, So I would say, especially considering you are not thinking about changing your iPad Pro because... I mean, I, I worry for a company that debuts a new version of a product like two weeks before Apple unveils new versions of that product. Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of companies that do that. And I always feel like, ooh, is now the time to debut your iPhone battery pack case? Like, this yeah. seems like a bad time to do that. But nevertheless, they have. And I will say for you, especially because you're not thinking about upgrading, you should get one of these because it is the form factor is incredible right like turning an ipad into a laptop form factor is wonderful the keyboard is really good it has backlighting very long battery life on bluetooth and but it's the adjustable hinge that makes it you know you can mm. you can basically go from having it complete at 90 degrees or like 180 degrees which is really 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 nice i like it a lot so they're two things for my kind of ipad home setup that i've really really enjoyed they made a big impact to my kind of working comfort over the last couple of months i'm gonna go with roomba i'm gonna go hey with our little friend did you see <laughs> that the, the amazon put roomba on sale like two days after our episode went up I think they did it because their algorithms picked up that people were buying Roombas. I think that's probably what happened. A couple of my friends bought Roombas, so it definitely I've gotten a number of texts related to Roombas. There you go. Uh, See, it's happening. Roomba fever sweeping the nation (laughs) and making it very clean. (laughs) Andrew wants to know, between the two of us, who would be the most capable in surviving a few days in the woods with just a knife and matches? Oh, this is a very different Ask Cortex kind of question. Yep. We get some of these every now and then. and I, A lot of them are like who would win in a fight and stuff like that. But I like this one specifically. Um, I think I know the answer to this and I wonder what you think. Well, we're both really ill-prepared for this challenge, I think. Yes, yes. Both of us are very, very... <laughs> I think that's what makes this question specifically very interesting because we are both wildly mismatched to survive in the woods. Like, yeah. the woods has a big advantage over the two of us. Yeah, in in, in this man-versus-nature conflict, bet on nature. <laughs> I think if you were going to make a bet out of the two of us, I would put my money on you. Because mm. I think you have a stronger I need to stay alive instinct than I do. <laughs> I feel like I would more quickly give up. As with all theoretical questions, the, the boundaries really matter on this. Mm-hmm. But I would bet on me simply because I'm in ketosis right now, which gives you a real big advantage in not, not needing to eat and still being able to function. Mm. So... Like, like I, I think if we got teleported into the woods right now, we're both equally unprepared, but I have like a slight, a slight ketosis buff that might edge it out for me lasting longer than you. Well, I had a big lunch. <laughs> so we'll see on that one, I guess. <laughs> John says, do you have any advice for people that are trying to put out productivity garbage fires? Cortex is very insightful, but often feels like it's targeted at uh, people who are polishing maybe a well-practiced regimen. What advice do you have for people who are several steps below that? Ooh. 
Okay, you need to start with this one, Mike. All right. So I think one of the things why you may believe if you're coming to this show that we are like well practiced is that before this show began, we both had the basics of a system. And I think that that might be what John is missing. If you don't have the basics of a system, I think a lot of the stuff we talk about might be unhelpful to you. And, and I would and say, if you've not listened to the show from the start and you feel this way, go back to the beginning. Because I think in the beginning, we focused a lot more on the very basics, like calendars, just as a general mm. idea, or to-do lists as a general idea. You need these two things, I think. I think anybody that wants to be productive needs a calendar and a to-do list and it can be anything but i think that these two things are like fundamentals of what am i doing today and what mm. do i need to do today and they are two different things like yeah what are the commitments that i have and what do i want to get done and you need these two things and if even if that still seems daunting to you start with taking a pen and paper and writing out every day what you need to do and what you want to do and what this would do is help you understand what kind of things keep popping up, but also help you understand that something that helps me is I always feel like I have more going on than I actually do. And mm. sometimes sitting down and writing it down makes me realize I don't have as many things to do as I'm freaking out about. So mm. go to the very basics, which is like pen and paper, and then build yourself up to getting a calendar and a to-do app or a reminder app or something. And that will start allowing you, I think, to get on the first rungs of the ladder. Mm. There is one exception to the uh, everyone needs a calendar and a to-do list app. And that exception is Jason Snell, uh, who only no. needs a calendar. Uh, uh, no, he, he uses a to, he uses to-do list now. I broke him down. Oh, did you? I, yeah. I thought he had abandoned that. Oh, No, okay. he's, he's still using it. He's still using, I think he still uses to-do list. Um, because again, like over time, it will get you. The the more and more responsibilities you have, you will end up, I think, needing both. I think that this is a thing for oh, both. Oh, that's people. fantastic! <laughs> I'm really, I'm really glad you finally got the Snellatron yep. on on the to do list manager train. It can be anything, right? If you want to use Dew, our mm -hmm. favorite app, Due, which has got a wonderful <laughs> update, which I recommend people try out. Um, yeah. Even that is something. It's just like having using reminders or Google Tasks or anything. Just having a list of stuff that you do, I think, is really important, even if it's just getting it out of your head. I think that's th that's that's point number one. Yeah, I mean, so so this is a difficult question because productivity garbage fire. It sounds real bad. <laughs> but a garbage fire to me sounds like a time when you just need to write it down, because garbage fire to me means you're panicking, and if you're panicking. I think that you may you could, there is a potential, not always, but there is a potential that you are over panicking about the situation that you're in. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I'm I'm interpreting this question a little bit in in the in the way of you aren't panicking because you have nothing, like nothing to support you here, and you know maybe maybe not a situation like oh you know you had things and it's all fallen apart, but you're just you're really starting from ground zero. Yes, and that's how I see it. Recognizing yeah. it, you mm -hmm. need to. And you know, and, and I think I think back to uh, you know, for me that the time when that happened in my life was doing the teacher training, where s suddenly there were more things to do than I could just casually keep track of uh, in an unofficial manner, and it was like oh you're really screwed if you don't do this. I 
100% agree with your assessment about paper. That's always my big push when I'm talking to people is if you're overwhelmed, paper is the tool. Uh, don't fiddle around with the to-do list managers. Like you don't, especially when you're at the beginning, like you don't even know what you need and paper is totally fine. Uh, yes, it lacks some features, mm-hmm. but that its lack of features is a feature when what you need is focus and calmness. You know, like just you, just the paper. I'm also going to say that that... This is this is going to be hard for some people, but you think about who do you know in your life who is a productive person, like who, who seems to get things done and executed well and like seems to have their life together. Because if, you, if you're really starting from ground zero, I think it helps tremendously to talk to someone who is a productive person. Most productive people are more than happy to talk about what they do. But on top of that, what I, what I think is a real, a real underlying thing about productivity that's hard to recognize when you're panicking is the, is the, like the 80, 20 rule that you can be panicking about a million things, but when you talk them over with somebody else, it's often very easy for another person to see that you are focused on a thing that doesn't matter and you're ignoring a thing that does. I don't know. When I see people who are really stuck in their head, talking over what are the things that they're trying to work on and like, how are they trying to get a system together? I think it's just really helpful to have a second brain there uh, who can sometimes point out to you like, oh, you seem to be you know really concerned about this project, but if this project... Uh, was not successful. Like, what's what's the downside? And you, and then you say, oh, well, it's it's this minor thing. It's like, okay, well, if we're in a productivity dumpster fire, then drop the thing where the downside doesn't matter if it doesn't get completed. And let's talk about like what are the things that have real downsides if they don't get completed, and try to clear the decks that way. But it's a very hard thing to do on your own when you're panicking about things. It's easier to do with somebody else and. At least in my experience, productive people, they enjoy talking about this kind of stuff and they're very happy to help. You need someone to have a working lunch with, right? Yeah, that's that's really, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. It might not be easy to find someone like that, but when people are acknowledged for like, oh, hey, it seems like you, office mate, you have your life really together. Like, do you mind if I pick your brain on that a little bit? I think people are, are usually respond positively to something like that. A lot of reasonable-sized corporate structures or large enough companies would have some kind of mentor-mentee type program. Mm-hmm. Those types of things can be really helpful for stuff like this too. Yeah. Which is like a company way of defining some kind of relationship with somebody that you deem to be professionally capable. Mm. You know, So that, that could be a, a way to find someone like that if you're struggling and such a thing is available to you. This episode of Cortex is also brought to you by Simple Contacts. It's wonderful when an app can take a tiresome task and make it easy. Isn't that what we're all about on this show? Finding ways to make our time more effective and also using cool apps and services to do it. That is what Simple Contacts is all about for renewing your contact lens prescription. With Simple Contacts, you'll be able to reorder your contacts from anywhere in minutes. All you need to do is complete their online 
awesome, cool, self-guided vision test. It takes less than five minutes to do, and you can do it from wherever you are right now using your smartphone. No more doctor's offices, no more waiting rooms. We're still in the days of summer. We're still in the days of vacations. We're still in the days of beach days and weddings. Aren't contact lenses perfect for those types of occasions? This is what Simple Contacts is all about to help you stock up for the season or just about any time that you're looking for contact lenses. You can order your favorite contacts right from their website or app and all of the lens brands that you love are right there simple contacts also has options for astigmatism multifocal lenses colored lenses and more and you'll be able to order exactly what you need so conveniently whenever or wherever you want their vision test is just twenty dollars for comparison an appointment without insurance could cost you over 200 simple contacts saves you money and time But I need to let you know, Simple Contacts does not offer a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. Simple Contacts is just checking that your current prescription still helps you see 2020, and they renew your lenses based on that. They're not writing completely new prescriptions or examining your eye health. As a listener of this show, you can get $20 off your first order of contacts. Just go to simplecontacts.com slash cortex20, or you can enter cortex20 at checkout. That's simplecontacts.com slash cortex20, or use the code cortex20, as cortex20, for $20 off your first order. Our thanks to Simple Contacts for their support of this show and Relay FM. So talking about paper... Uh, to use paper, you need a pen. Delano wants to know, what is your currently most used pen? Look at that transition there, Mike. <laughs> I'm a professional. <laughs> what is your most currently used pen? No, I want to I wanna know yours because it's too difficult for me. So I want to know what you use. We're going to start with what you use. What is your most used pen? I mean... Uh... You won't offend me. It's okay. Uh, I don't know. Do I have the... I've got like a bucket of random pens somewhere in the house. That I use maybe once a month, and I grab grab something out of there. Do they tend to be the same? Like, do you buy just like one brand, like one specific type of pen, or do you just just pick them up from all around the world? This is where you want to know. Yeah, there is. I go into Ryman, and there's one pen that I like. Okay. Uh, What does it look like? What is what brand is it? Pen brand. uh, Pen brand Co. (laughs) It's. Uh, silver. Mm-hmm. It's one millimeter thick. Okay. Black ink. Yep. It's a ballpoint pen. Okay. As it, as, that's a, that's as close as I can get. Is at it this like point. Uniball? No. Pilot? Maybe, no. Maybe, uh, uh, I think Pilot. Maybe it's Pilot. Okay. That sounds familiar. It's rollable. You said. Yeah. Are you sure about that? I'm just it's asking. Ball- <laughs> is it rollable or ballpoint? Do you, do you <laughs> even just, know the I difference between the two? Uh, I, oh, I, I thought you were asking me if it's a rollerball or if it's a fountain pen, and I was going to say, well, I know it's not a fountain pen, so it must be a rollerball, uh, and then I'm out, then I'm out of pen technology, right? Because it can be ballpoint, <laughs> which is different. A ball, maybe ballpoint. Yeah, I don't know. This is right. very, I feel very uncomfortable, Mike. That's fine. <laughs> People will never want to know the specific anyway. I don't really have one pen that I use most you're doing your rotation thing right with the with the journal right? yeah because i rotate in my journal i use different pens every day and when i write like show notes and scribble stuff down i'll just grab whatever's around me um i'm very much into a brand called sailor right now they make very 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 good fountain pens at a range of prices um and, and i really really like what they make and i really kind of 
go in deeper than I should into acquiring Sailor Fountain pens. But as kind of the the best pen that I can recommend to people on an everyday basis is uh, the Retro 51, which is, it contains my favorite refill, which is a Schmidt refill, which is really, really good. And so friends of mine, Studio Neat, are making a pen based around that refill as well called the Mark One, which is also, I have one of those and I really like it because I really love the refill. But I recommend people check out like the Retro 51 as a as a pen because you can get them in a bunch of different styles and it's a cool pen and it has a great refill. Uh, you liked it for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. That was the one you had me try. Yeah. Uh, when I, and I'm, when I'm in a mood where I think I'm going to try to get into carrying a pocket notebook and inevitably failing because mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, there's no place in my life for this anymore. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I, would, I would agree with that one. I'm curious, can you explain to a layman such as myself? You said the Sailor fountain pens are super nice. Mm-hmm. What, what makes a fountain pen really nice to you? Like what is, what is the thing in the pen that attracts you? All right. One is design. Okay. Right? So what is it shaped like and what are the colors? Mm-hmm. Um, does it have any special flair to it? Like I have some that have glitter in the uh, like in the plastic, so they look really cool like that because they're glittery. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I have some that are made with these incredible swirl patterns and stuff like that, or they mix together different materials. You know, so I have some that are made like part acrylic plastic and part metal, part aluminium or something like that. You know, so there are many different things. Then you get down to like the writing experience. So like how does the nib feel for you, right? So when the fountain pen nib, like is it thin? Is it thick? What do you like on that? Does it feel smooth? Does it feel scratchy? People like scratchy pens. People like smooth pens. Like how does that feel? And then Mm. there's stuff like how does it feel to hold? So like how balanced is it? For example, like if you have a pen made out of a couple of different materials, if the heavy materials on the end of the pen, it might not feel right to hold, right? because then it's going to feel misbalanced. You want most of the weight down the bottom because that's where you're putting the majority of pressure. You know, So some pens that are made completely of metal don't feel right when you hold them because they're heavy or they're misbalanced. So there are, mm. those are kind of like the three different things. So it's like the look, the way it performs, and the way it feels to hold. Like They're the three things. And currently right now, the brand that knocks this out of the park every single time for me is Sailor. And mm. this is why they've been around for hundreds of years. Um, you know, like they, they are a very, very, very well-established brand in Japan. Um, so, and that's why, because they are incredible. So. Mm. You have a lot of knowledge on this topic. It seems like <laughs> you should you should spin this off into some sort of pen-related podcast. Funny you should say. Do you have a pen podcast, Mike? Yes, relay.fm slash pen addict for the pen addict podcast. Oh, people should go check that out then. If you at all find what I've said to be interesting, even if you don't know what I'm talking about, then yes, you should listen to the pen addict. <laughs> this question comes from James. James says, I love listening to the text adventure episodes each year. What do you enjoy most about playing those games? Text adventure episode, you say? Well, funny you should ask, James. I swear James is a real person. Uh, we did put out our Relay FM membership special. Oh, did we? If you're a Relay FM member, you will have gotten our Space Station bonus special. 
You can still become a Relay FM member. You can click the link in the show notes to sign up to become a $5 a month member of Cortex. If you do this, you get access to all of our bonus perks. For, you get bonus episodes of this show and all of the other Relay FM shows and a newsletter and a bunch of other great stuff. Um, but you can sign up to support any show at any level and you get all the same perks. You can go to relay.fm slash membership to learn more. But if you would like a taste of what Space Station had to offer. Gray put together a wonderful video trailer that will be in our show notes as well, so you can go and take a look at that. If you have seen Space Station, even if you think you're not interested, I implore you to go and watch this trailer because it's brilliant. Um, if anything, just a, for a visual treat. I absolutely love it. You can go and watch that. So I'll ask you, Gray, because... The text adventure I remember originally was something I really had to sell you on, and it took some time. I was very resistant to this idea. But now, it almost feels like you look forward to them. So I would like to know what you enjoy most about playing those games. Oh, I totally look forward to them, yeah. I was deeply resistant. You spent a lot of work mm-hmm. getting me to do that first I'll say, one. This was originally a much bigger idea that like, I had to like bring down until we got <laughs> it to a level that Greg was willing to do. This is, this is the hard work of being Mike working with me. Uh, Everything's I'm, a process. I'm, it's fine. It's, it's just how life is. I can say I just love doing something that's different but adjacent. Like it, it, it hits a real sweet spot for me that I don't I don't like doing things that are just different and have nothing to do with anything. I, I like that these weird text adventures are within the Cortex cinematic universe. CCU, as it's commonly yeah. known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I I I like that it's just this this weird different thing. I love that Jason joins us and does such an amazing job as the computer. And like as someone who does these podcasts where we were like you and I were getting together and we're we're talking, it's it's hard to explain how much of a different experience it is to walk into a podcast where you don't know what's going to happen. That like you know, Mike hasn't prepared fantastic show notes as he always does for Cortex, that I get to look over ahead of time and have some idea of what is the general structure of the show. There's none of that. It's like, oh, I'm going to sit down and this mystery is going to be played out before us and we're going to blindly poke around. Literally all we have beforehand that Jason gives us is the name of the adventure. So we kind of have an idea of what world we're going to be in, whether it's like a Uh, Western or like a spooky situation or a space situation. That's all we know. Yeah. It's, it's not very helpful in the actual, no. <laughs> in the because actual really, adventure. Because really, it doesn't mean anything, really. <laughs> that There was only like, there was one moment in a Six Gun Showdown where understanding the parameters of a Western situation helped us get through something. Mm-hmm. Everything else, it's kind of just, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I would say that I enjoy the differentness of it and uh, I enjoy. From the perspective of the person recording a podcast, not having a sense of where is this going to go, but still feeling secure that the you know the Snellatron will lead the way. Um, I really like that these are pursuits not based in in fact. <laughs> they yeah, are fiction. Yeah. They are they're not real. There's there's no ramifications of anything, and we get to play around in a world which is usually full of weird things. Mm-hmm. I I like that. Um, and, and I like that it is, I like doing the text adventures because 
there is only one character and we have to kind of go through that together and uh, it, I think that's more fun than for this if we were playing separate people maybe um, yeah. because we have to agree on something um, or at least that's a good way for us to have started you know to, to understand how to try and negotiate our way through these situations um, I really really like it <laughs> spoiler alert we don't do very well negotiating <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, I, I I love them I we get we get such great feedback that if you are interested, I think you should you should give it a go because they're they're a lot of fun for us to do, and I think they're a lot of fun to listen to. So you can become a Relay FM member and, and get access to them. And I appreciate James's question, which allowed me to segue so nicely into talking about the membership. <laughs> Timothy says, in a strictly getting things done way, what is your workflow with your partner when working on personal projects? Do they have their own GTD <laughs> system? Do you have a new one? How does it work? Uh, who's who's going to go first on this question? I'll go first. Yes. What is the system between you and now your wife? So with me and my wife, Adina, uh, we do not share a system because her system conflicts horribly with my system in that the way that Adina keeps track of projects is wild to me. What does uh, she do? Well, she uses uh, reminders but in Fantastical. Oh, okay. Right? Which was my recommendation for her because she was using the Reminders app and didn't like it, but she could keep it all in one place and it works for her. Oh, uh, okay. So she's using Fantastical as a different interface to Reminders. Exactly. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. And that system just doesn't work for me. Like, I like projects and, like, tags and all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I wouldn't be able to have, like, a shared Reminders list with her because it wouldn't work for me and Todoist wouldn't work for her, right? Like our systems are just very opposed. Like Adina uses a system which is very akin to what we were talking about before. She uses a, a, just a basic system of getting tasks down, right? And that works mm -hmm. for her great. Like it doesn't matter what it is. They're all just in one big list. But that's not how I work. Like I like to have things a little bit more segmented and, and organized in a different way. So when we work on a project together, we kind of, and this is actually, funnily enough, how me and Stephen work together as well. We communicate about what's needed to be done, and then we take our own action items and put them into our own systems. Like, mm. they're not shared in any way. And then we do what needs to be done and communicate about the project. Um, so funnily enough... I guess the two partners in my life, we have a similar... I was going to say, yes, two partners. We have a similar like way of working in that we both manage our independent systems and then communicate about the projects at hand. My wife doesn't have a system. Okay. She's just able to keep track of a ton of stuff in her head in a way that I would never be able to do. And it totally works for her. It's funny, I never even really thought about it until I saw this question. Like It has never come up in our house even the idea of like oh we should we should have some kind of shared task management uh, we just we just don't i think the the closest thing to a to a system is if there's something that i need to do i will tell her and she will remember and if there's something that she needs me to do she will tell me and i will never remember unless it goes straight into my system and so i think it's kind of sweet because over time she has very much come to understand the concept of 
me putting tasks and dates and things in my system that is that is a demonstration of caring right it's not it's not a demonstration of oh I, i'm not going to remember so I'll, I'll have to write it down it's like no this this is how i remember so that's that's the interaction between the two of us she just remembers i don't have a chance of ever remembering so it, it works its way into my system i don't even know if it is a case of just like uh, I, and I think this might be the same for you. You could remember it. You just don't trust that you'll remember it. That that may have been the case years ago. I think though that that current me is in a situation where there is there is just too much to keep track of. That I've I've too many projects and too many things going on that I I really don't think I could manage without a to do manager at this point. There's, and and keep all of the various worlds together. I will just say, though, that the closest thing to a system that she does sometimes is every once in a while, and this is like maybe once or twice a year, if she's feeling overwhelmed with her projects, uh, what I'll see her do, and then I'll know like, oh, it's busy, it's busy time now, like we're serious, is she'll just take her iPad Pro and her Apple Pencil and open up notes and just handwrite out a bunch of stuff that she needs to do and then cross it off one by one like that's Mm. that's the closest to a formal system but that is really rare and she has to be really busy and really overloaded uh but when i see her bust out the ipad and and the pencil and open up notes and start writing things down it's like oh busy time brian asks have either of you found any new working games like threes or prison architect that stimulate your brain while you work or podcast i mean mike isn't this now officially part of your job to find games that you can talk about on one of your many podcasts yeah i just don't know if i necessarily have games that i would put into like the the working so like there are games that i play for work at twitch.tv slash playing for fun fm <laughs> but that's different to like i'm editing a podcast and playing a video game you know that they're, they're, they're like different things right because mm. so i would say like something like stardew valley right which is what me and tiff have been streaming a lot recently it's the it's a perfect game to play whilst working in my opinion because it's so chill right that mm. you can you can play it while listening to something and you can very easily separate the two Right, because a lot of the time it's walking around and like picking up. Like it, it, it is a game which is similar in ilk to something like Factorio for you, but you just didn't like Stardew. But I think that there are definite links to those types of games. But I feel like that's one I've spoken about in the past. I did see a game that has just come out, and I don't know if it would fit, but it does look interesting. And it's called Two Point Hospital. Oh, is that the one that Steam is really pushing? Yes, because I think it's <laughs> going to be a big deal. It came out like within the last few days. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Every time I log into Steam, they're like, this is the one you should play, buddy. Because this is like a prison architect, right? Like it is a you build a thing and manage it. But this is made by people that wanted to bring back the joy of Theme Hospital. Hmm. Did you ever play those games like Theme Park World or Theme Hospital or something? Did you ever play those? I never did. I was aware of them and huh. they were super popular, but th- they just never quite crossed my path. What about like Roller Coaster Tycoon? Oh, Roller Coaster Tycoon. 
That's a different story. There were many roller coasters built. Right, because it's the same ilk, right? Like, those games are all, like, very similar type thing, right? Like, yeah, it's the same idea. I plan to check out Two Point Hospital soon, like, because it does feel like something I might enjoy. Because I did like all those games. But I do tend to like easy mode for all that stuff, right? Like, <laughs> prison architect, I like to just build a prison. I don't want to have to deal with, like, the things happening. Yeah, you don't want to deal with when you alt-tab out to make some edits and then you alt-tab back and everything's burned to the ground. Exactly. That's not my that's not my thing. Uh, I want to do want to mention a game which I love, which has just come out for the Switch, called Into the Breach. Mm-hmm. Have you ever played FTL Faster Than Light? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's made by the same developer. Sold. <laughs> I don't need to know anything else. It's a turn-based strategy game. Uh-huh. It is really difficult, but yep. really good. Okay, yep, sold immediately. FTL is so good. Yeah. Uh, oh, so, it's on uh, Mac um, now, too. Oh, there you go. Great. It was Perfect. previously just on Windows, uh, but it's on Windows, Mac, and now Nintendo Switch. And the Switch version is is excellent. Like they've they've done a very very good job with porting the controls because I was mm-hmm. it was it felt very mouse clicky to me as a game, like mm-hmm. like most real time strategy games, right? You're clicking here and then clicking where you want to go or attack, but it works with the switch very very nicely. It's one of the better ways that I've seen like a pointer implemented in a on a console that has analog sticks like control mm. sticks. The movement is very fluid. It, it it feels like it works very well. It has it has a when you push forward on the analog stick, the movement of the cursor isn't how it would be on a PC. It moves very differently. It's hard to describe, but it's not like a linear movement. It feels like there's some weight to the movement. Hmm, yeah, that that pointer to analog stick conversion is always difficult. I was worried. I was worried that this wasn't going to work very well, but it works excellently. So. Uh, I recommend it on both PC and Switch. So this this is such a good game. It is punishing, but addictive. (laughs) Very, 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 very good. Have you got anything new? Yeah, I have a new game that I've been playing a lot for podcast editing. It's called Northguard. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend it as as a mic game, but I've really enjoyed it. It's technically an RTS, like it's a it's a Viking themed real time strategy overhead, you know, build a village and send out soldiers kind of game. But it's done in such a different way that describing it as an RTS is completely inaccurate because I generally just don't want to play those sorts of games anymore because they're incredible click fests and, you know, you have to do things quickly. But it's, it, the whole pace of the game is just super slow. Like you expand your territory super slow. There's lots of limits on how much you can build. Um, I don't know. It's it's very hard to explain. It's like a cross between Starcraft and Civilization and like almost Settlers of Catan that there's like these limited resources that you can get just in different spots. I don't know. If, if I think it's it's... If you like... RTSs, it's it's worth giving a try, but just go into it knowing that it's a very, very different type of game. And it does a thing that I, f- that I really appreciate, which is unlike all of these kind of war games, they actually make it incredibly 
difficult to field a lot of military units. So winning through military victory is like the hardest way to win. And there's a bunch of other things that you can do instead. Like, oh, I'm just going to research enough technology or do enough trade or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a kind of perfect podcast editing game for me. It doesn't move too quickly. Uh, it's nice and slow. It's easy enough to switch in and out of for doing edits. Uh, so I've I've really enjoyed it. It's a beautiful looking game. Uh, oh, and of course, for anybody who plays the game, they'll want to know which clan I prefer. And Raven Clan all the way. They're the best. I don't think this game would be for me. No, this is not for you, Mike. I 100% don't recommend this for you. Yeah, it doesn't feel like my kind of game. No, this is, this is, I give this, I give this negative three out of 10 on the should Mike play this game score. Rosemary asks, should I buy a Nintendo Switch? And if yes, which game should I get with it? Important note, I've had RSI issues before. Okay, so here's the thing. Yes, you should buy it, but you must buy a pro controller. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Right? 100%. The Switch is an incredible portable machine. And if you've had problems with RSI, yes, you can play it portably, but for incredibly short periods of time and infrequently. Yeah, just don't. Don't. But the other great thing about it being a portable machine is you can still take it everywhere with you. You just got to take a pro controller too. That's what I do when I travel. I take the Switch with me and I take a pro controller. Like, Easy. It's still, you get all the portability, you know, but you just have to carry a controller too, which is not really that much more. So that's how I play it. Um, start with Zelda or Super Mario Odyssey. You're going to love one of those games. Ignore what Gray says. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Most other human beings in the world love one of those. Or get Stardew Valley. Or get Into the Breach. I agree. No, no. Get... Mario Kart. Oh, That's yeah. Okay. Sorry. I forgot about Mario Kart. Get Mario Kart or Zelda or Super Mario Odyssey. Look at those three Don't games. They're Super very different games. Don't They're get very Super different Mario games Odyssey. that it's should not... definitely, no, one of those will appeal Mario to you. Odyssey. Take a look at all of them. Don't um, and if Odyssey. they don't, then then I, I, I can't help you. I will also say, because we're in cross-promo mode today, Rosemary is actually a host on a Relay FM show called Automators, which oh! is about automating things in your life. They focus on iOS and Mac, and I believe they are looking trying to expand out to other platforms, maybe the web and Android and PC in the future. Hosted by Rosemary and David Sparks. Um, it's all about just making computers work for you. I think a lot of people that listen to this show would like that show. Yeah, yeah. I met Rosemary this summer at WWDC, and she introduced me to, uh, oh God, what's it called? Keyboard Maestro for the Mac. And it's an amazing program, but I'm almost annoyed that I know it exists. <laughs> it's, it's like she was showing me all this super cool stuff. And it, it was like, oh, I sat down with an automation wizard for an hour uh, before she had to go fly away and was able to show me just enough to feel like I want to be able to do all of these things. And then she had to fly away and left me figuring out all of this, all of this keyboard maestro stuff to try to do with my computer. So I'm very glad that Automator is out so she can finally share the rest of her wizard secrets with 
how to how to make this work because now now i have this feeling like i should be able to automate literally everything on my computer yep. i saw rosemary do it but like i don't know how to do it i don't know how to do all these things <laughs> she does relay.fm slash automators she came very close to convincing me to learn like oh you got to learn javascript and i was like mm-hmm. no i must resist i must resist <laughs> she's like no it's very simple you can do it <laughs> <laughs> Santi says, uh, last we heard, both of you were using the Logitech's MX Master and a Wacom tablet. What are you using today? Uh, I don't use the Logitech MX Master. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I could, poor say, I could say that for sure. Um, <laughs> I'm using a Magic Trackpad and the Wacom Intuos Pro Medium. I, last week, upgraded to the newer model. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love the newer model. What do you love about it? It is bigger. Mm-hmm. It has more buttons. It has eight buttons instead of six that were on the other medium. It is a slimmer profile, and it's much smoother. And the mm. pen is way better. The pen is way better. The reason that I upgraded, I I don't know why I left it so long, honestly. My, my pen was basically falling apart every time <laughs> I pressed it down with any force. Like, mm-hmm. the bottom ring would fall off, and the button would fall out. It's just happening a lot to me, and I just never upgraded it. Um, and I could have replaced the pen, but in Logic, when I'm editing, all I needed was one more button, and I never need to touch the keyboard. Right. So now I can edit a show entirely just using program buttons with the Wacom tablet. It is wonderful. I love it. Very nice. Nice. Yeah, I'm very, very happy. So I use that, and I also use the Magic Trackpad. Um, sometimes I use both when I'm editing. I also use both of them just to use my Mac on a daily basis. Now, I saw you recently, actually, using a very weird-looking mouse. Oh, you saw, you saw me with the MX Ergo. That's, what, that's yeah. what you saw me with. Yes. What is that like? Do you use that still? Yeah, so I, I picked one up. Um, I've always been a really big fan of trackballs. Uh so, so the like the mouse where the like the whole mouse has been turned inside out and upside down, and you're you're moving the ball around with your thumb instead of moving your hand to roll the ball on the desk, or as in modern mice, the laser. Uh, I I do really really like those. Um, I think that the the MX Ergo is replacing like this super duper old trackball that logitech made and they just hadn't updated i do not think that there is a big market in the world for trackball mice but this is a really really good one if you like trackballs uh so yeah i'm i'm using that a lot what i've sort of changed is i was uh i was taking it out for a test spin when you saw me using it and it's not going to be the thing that i take with me when traveling because it's it's kind of great to be able to sit on a plane and use a pointing device that you don't have to physically move around, but it's just a little big as an object to carry with me in my suitcase. So I'm using the um, the Logitech little mini mouse, the one that's like, um, it's symmetrical so you can switch hands, which is super important to me. Uh, but no, I really do like that trackball. It's great. And just because of my RSI issues, uh, I, I rotate between just a bunch of different input devi- devices. Sometimes I'm using the tablet, sometimes I'm using a trackball, sometimes I'm using a mouse, sometimes I'm using it with my left hand, sometimes I'm using it with my right hand. I'm just try- I'm trying to evenly wear all of the articulating equipment uh, to try to minimize RSI issues. 
Lamar wants to know, Gray, have there been any updates on the hunt for a cortility bag? Lamar didn't use these words, but that's what we'll call it, because we know how things go around here. Any updates on finding a cortility bag which fits your specific purpose? Like, I almost feel speechless that you're asking me this question, Mike. How dare you? After the tremendous, (laughs) tremendous... Rain of shame mm-hmm. that you tried to bring Ugh. down upon my head wow. over over wanting wow. a little bag in which to carry objects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I thought was totally, totally a reasonable thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe there's some things that I want to carry. Oh, my pockets are very small. Hmm, how can I solve this problem in an inconspicuous manner? I like I I I I I can't even believe that you are bringing this up. Again, I'll ask you a quick question, actually, while you're referring to this reign of shame. Did you ever speak to Mrs. Gray about this? Yeah, no, she does, she's like hard veto. All hard right, so great. I just, I just wanted to just make sure that like, you know, you can make it sound like I had something to do with this decision. But you would do this whether I agreed with it or not. If you don't have a cortility bag, that's nothing to do with me. Oh, it's a lot to do with you, buddy. I'll, oh, t- I'll uh-huh. tell you that. I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, because look, like you started basically like, like there was like a six degrees of separation anti-cortility bag campaign that you were you were waging you were waging against me. And so uh, my my wife found out about oh. the very fact that I was interested <laughs> in a cortility bag, not from you. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> look, all I know is she got some instant messages. <laughs> from people who weren't you but had found out about this this ruckus that you're kicking up mm-hmm. and there was a hard veto on a cortility bag being added to my everyday wear well, i'm still putting the blame 100 percent on you okay i was hugely dispirited after that episode and sadly just gave up my search for a cortility bag but I'm not I'm not letting this rest. This dream is is not dying. I just need to regroup a little bit on this one. I'll find a solution. In the meantime, you became a man of pockets. <sighs> is this something you really want to bring up now, Mike? We've yeah. spoken about is this. Is this something that you want to do? Cuz you you teased the uh the fact that you were wearing a pocket shirt that you thought I didn't notice when we recorded yeah. in person, but I definitely did notice, but I didn't want to bring attention to. Well, how am I supposed to hold things without pockets? I don't understand, especially during the summer. There's so many things to hold during the summer. You got to put them somewhere, Mike. Did you take a lot of pictures with that camera you wanted? I've had enough of this conversation. (laughs) Okay.